0: Uh, To work out our salvation. Then in Romans 1. And 16. Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it the gospel. Is the power of God. Notice unto salvation. To everyone that believeth to the Jew first. And to the Greek. So. So. He says it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth. The prime mover, the Greek word for salvation all throughout the New Testament and in the the, uh, Septuagint, which is the, the, the Greek Old Testament, it says the word is soteria. And we see from the scripture that the prime mover... In soteria, or salvation, is God. In in other words, God makes salvation available to everybody. All right? The scripture tells us here uh, uh, the gospel is the power of God's salvation. So everyone on this planet will at some point hear the gospel and salvation will be presented to them. Now, the reason, when you look at this, this is the reason... That salvation can be refused because it's offered by God. God says, Here's the free gift of salvation. You can receive it or you can refuse it. All right, those that refuse it and maintain that course will ultimately end up in eternal destruction because they refuse the power of this rescue. Amen. As great as salvation is, It can be neglected. Now, I keep referencing that because your salvation is so great that it saved your soul or your spirit, recreated your spirit, made you a new creature in Christ, and can, if we allow it, save our souls. Amen. It's it's so vast. The gospel... Paul says, is the power of salvation. William Barclay, in his book New Testament Words, he made the statement and he said that salvation brings man not only a task, but the strength to do it. And not only a way, but the power to walk it. And not only an offer, but the power to grasp it so it brings man not only a task but the strength to do it not only a way but the power to walk it out and not only an offer but the power to grasp it hallelujah now the reason the reason why i'm going through through all of these scriptures and statements is to say that when you get born again and your spirit is born again, and you are made a new creature in Christ, then you begin the process of your soul being saved, your mind being renewed, your mental faculties coming under the control of your spirit and under the control of the Word of God. But Paul said, I've got to work that out. And he said, the gospel, the good news, is the power of salvation. In other words, it brings me something to do, but it brings me the strength to do it. It brings me a path that I've got to walk and it gives me the power to walk it. God doesn't ask you to do something that He's not prepared to empower you to do. And so you read scriptures in the Word of God, for instance, like put off the old man and put on the new man. Well, we're empowered to do that through what? Our great salvation. Because I have the ability and the power to make that happen. Hallelujah. C.I. Schofield stated in his reference Bible, the Hebrew and Greek words for salvation imply the ideas of deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. Salvation is the great inclusive word of the gospel. And here's why. It gathers into itself all the redemptive acts and processes Such as justification, redemption, grace, propitiation, imputation, forgiveness, sanctification, and glorification. So notice, it gathers into itself all the redemptive acts and processes in this one word for salvation, soteria. We see all of these things. Now notice, there are redemptive acts and processes. So, what this means is that our salvation is still being worked out. How? By our participation in it. By our participating in it. that's, That's why Paul said what he said. He said, I need you to work out your salvation. All right? Ralph Earl said in his book, Word Meanings in the New Testament, he stated, the fundamental idea contained in Soteria is this. The removal of dangers menacing to life. All right, rescue. It's one of the primary meanings of the word salvation is rescue. And the consequent placing of life in conditions favorable to free and healthy expansion. The basic idea of salvation is deliverance. The basic idea of salvation is deliverance. So God brought the new birth to us to deliver our spirits out of darkness and bring us into light. Hallelujah. Then He gave us the Word to deliver us in our walk, our daily walk, our our Christian walk. And He gave us the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to teach us, to guide us, and to reveal to us all the redemptive acts and processes. Every time you read the Word of God and the Holy Spirit enlightens you about something that belongs to you, now you have just been made aware of another redemptive act or process that God wants you to walk in. Amen. Now, depending on what what church you got born again in, or denomination or whatever, when you got born again, for instance, you may not have been taught that you were the righteousness of God in Christ. You're saved, but you're just an old sinner. Right? Right? That's what you may have been taught. But at some point you went to a service or you heard a tape or, well, that I just dated myself, or a, a, a CD or whatever, or you got in the Word and found it for yourself where the Bible says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What just happened at that moment? You became aware of a redemptive process that you had not seen before. And your life came to another level and you gained more victory Because now you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ. There there are multiplied thousands of believers who do not know they are the righteousness of God in Christ. They're born again. They love God. They want to live right. They want to do right. And they don't have the power to do it. How do I know they don't have the power to do it? Because Paul wrote the Corinthian church and said in order to not sin you've got to awake to righteousness. He said, awake to righteousness, 1 Corinthians 15, awake to righteousness and sin not. When you wake up to righteousness, when you become aware of who you are and you become aware of those processes, then what begins to happen is things begin to fall off your line. Amen. Amen. You know, maybe when you got born again, you know, you were born again and and, and you're saved and you love God and and you might have even been in a spirit-filled, tongue-talking Pentecostal church, but you were taught that it wasn't always God's will to heal. That sometimes God does and sometimes God doesn't. Maybe God wants to teach you something, but you heard a, a, a message or went to a meeting or gotten the word for yourself, right? And you found out that with His stripes, you're healed. Well, what happened? What, what, what became aware? Your salvation began to affect another part of your life. Hallelujah. Because I became aware of those redemptive acts or processes. Or, or maybe you were taught, like, like many of us were, that, you know, you've got to struggle with the flesh and, and sin will just show up and knock you out and you might sin tomorrow and you better watch what you do because you can fall and just, Right? But then you found in the Scripture where it said sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under law, you're under grace. You read in 1 John where it said whatever is born of God sinneth not and the wicked one does not touch him. What was was happening? You were becoming more and more aware of those redemptive processes. Amen. And your salvation was affecting your soulish realm. Hallelujah. See, you've you've got to be cautious with this because a lot of of people, they they talk about the flesh and here's what, and and I'll show you this from the Word in just a moment, but here's what they do. They look at the flesh as this body. James chapter 1 says this. It says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So a born-again person or an unborn-again person Their spirit is what animates their body. Right? You take the spirit out of my body and my body's dead. Why? Because it's a carrying case. It's a suitcase for my spirit. But in between my spirit and my body is my soul. My mind, my will, and my emotions. Now... Ever who has control of that area of my life is going to be proven by what my body does. Does that make sense? If my spirit, if I'm bringing my soul under the control of my spirit, then I'm going to act spiritual, I'm going to be spiritual, I'm going to live spiritual. If my soul is still, if my, if my soul is unrenewed, if my soul is still carnal, then my body's going to act carnal. This body can do nothing on its own. Because it's powered in the believer and in the unbeliever, But because we're talking about believers, by the spirit of the believer. The control center is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing that God Himself dwells in you, but you can still do whatever you want? I know that seems elementary, but think about that. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and you can live carnally if you want to. Because everything about salvation involves your participation. I got to participate. Hallelujah. I've got to participate. We use this phrase. When you got born again, what did you do? You gave your life to Christ. You gave your heart to Christ. So he didn't just come take it. You gave it. Well, think about this. So he's just not going to come renew your mind. The Bible says you have to renew your mind. So why? Because it's my mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in uh, Philippians 2 again, and we'll read 12 and 13. We read 12 earlier. Oh, thank you, Lord. I used to have a friend, one wonderful man. He's in heaven to, tonight, and I just loved it. Well, lo- I still love him. He's still alive, but loved him dearly when he was on the earth. And we would, uh, uh, somebody would act up carnally in the church. He pastored. And I, I, we pastored, well, we didn't pastor together. We pastored in the same town for years. And uh, uh, somebody would act up and be carnal, and he'd look at me and say, Philip, are those people saved? Well, yeah, I believe they're saved, but they're carnal. Amen. But here, here's the thing. Philippians 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why, Paul, for it is God which works in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Understand, it is only God that can make us what we ought to be. But it's only us who can do what we ought to do. Only God can make us what we ought to be, but only we can do what we ought to do. All right, God, God has made you everything that you need to be. But now there's things that I have to do that only I can do. You know, in our circles, we're, we're very quick to teach people that, you know, there's not one New Testament scripture that says God's going to do anything about the devil. What if I told you there's not one New Testament scripture that says God's going to do anything about your flesh? Unless I get him involved in it. Unless I get involved in it. Hallelujah. Right? But there are people who say, well, there's nothing I can do about that. That, You know, that's just, my flesh is just out of control. Well, that's like the guy complaining about all the profanity and nudity on his DVR. (laughs) It's your machine, man. (laughs) If you don't want it on there, don't record it. Right? If, if I want my mind to change, I've got to take my mind and renew it. Hallelujah. The scriptural approach is this. The church I grew up in, we heard this a lot. Brother, let go and let God. Well, the scriptural approach is not let go and let God. The scriptural approach is get in there with God. Right? Even, even even, Moses, when he was about to cross the Red Sea, salvation came in. Salvation. If You read the verse. It said, Mo- Moses talked about standing still and seeing the salvation of God. And God said, why are you telling them to stand still? Move forward. I'm, I'm going to save them. I'm going to work this out. But they've got something to do. God could have opened the Red Sea. God could have dried the, the, the ocean bed out. And the children of Israel could have stayed right there on the other side with the open way across that sea and never made it to safety. But the Bible says that's a type and a figure of the salvation that we received in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So notice it says that God not only gives us the will to please, but the ability as well. To will and to do to will and to do so as we work out our salvation we find that god works in us god works in us he uses this word here it is god that works in you or worketh in you that word worketh is the is a verb energio e N-E-R-G-E-O, energio. And it means to energize. So in this process, we're not dependent upon our own strength. Our energy to do it comes from God. It's God that works or gives you the energy or provides you with the energy to want to do and then to be able to do it. Wanting to do it is not enough. It's being able to do it. I have to will and do. But it starts with the willingness. I have to be willing to do. Hallelujah. I, I, was, I was talking one time with uh, uh, a person some time ago. And uh, we were dealing with some things in a marriage situation. And, and we were putting things on the table. And I just stopped and I said, okay. I said, now here's all the, and I use this phrase, here's all the mess on the table. Now it can be fixed if you're willing. Right? Now what if one of them's not willing? Nothing's going to happen. Because you've got to be willing to do. Hallelujah. So I have to be willing To do what? To do the pleasure of God. I have to will and to do. In Romans 12. It starts with the willingness. Romans 12. And uh, verse 1. We'll spend the rest of our time here. We'll look at some of these words. Paul said, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. Notice, and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm concerned sometimes that that people kind of just move over this Especially maybe in the circles that that we're in, because we we hear this so much, where you got to renew your mind, it's the renewing of the mind, you got to renew your mind. Well, there's some things to see. The word beseech here, I beseech you, brethren, therefore brethren. The word beseech is to beg or to entreat. Most generally, it's translated either beg or entreat, or implore, all right? And then he says, by the mercies of God. And and notice there's a word here. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God, or in light of the mercies of God, or because of the mercies of God. Well, what mercies of God? The mercies of God that Paul outlined in chapters 1 through 11. In light of those mercies, all right, in, in for instance, in chapters 1 through 8, the plan of salvation doctrinally is presented. Justification by faith alone. There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. All right? There's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul outlines that in Romans chapters 1 through 8. Then in chapters 9 through 11, he outlines the hope of Israel. That there's still hope for Israel to come into the things of God. He's writing in the book of Romans to Gentiles and to Jews. all right, And he's explaining the plan of salvation to them. And Paul says to them, in light of the mercies that I've written to you about that have been outlined before, there's something that you need to do. There's something you need to do. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, notice that you present your body a living sacrifice. Now now think about this for a moment. Very often people jump right to the renewing of the mind, but you can't jump to the renewing of the mind and omit presenting your body a living sacrifice. Now, the reason why this is so important, I'll I'll show you. The word present, present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's used throughout the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, to describe the sacrificial offerings the people would bring to God. The language is, is, is in present. Is to present your bodies once and for all. Once and for all. And then the word bodies. The Weymouth translation for example. Says all of your faculties. So this word bodies is describing your whole being. Every part of each one of you. That's why I told you earlier that your body is not just this. Your body is your mind, your will, your emotions, every part of your physical makeup. And Paul says here, you need to present all of your faculties to God, all right, as a living sacrifice. And he says something, notice, which is your reasonable service. C.I. Schofield says, your divine service. So the indication is that presenting our bodies or our whole being is in fact an act of worship. Because when they presented the sacrifices in the Old Testament it was under the the auspices of worshiping God. Every day that a believer gets up and they present their mind, their will, their emotions to God as a living sacrifice that is their spiritual act of worship. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, the Denny translation says it is our spiritual worship. Phillips translation says our intelligent worship. Weymouth says spiritual mode of worship. And the Amplified Bible says rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So God looks at this as more than what man does. God says this is your rational spiritual act of worship of getting now notice that's our part in being willing and doing is to get up on a regular basis and present my mind my will my emotions to God as a living sacrifice every day that's something that I have to do because you got to understand something about your mind The moment you quit putting the pressure on it to renew and to be made new and to grow and to expand and to progress, it wants to revert. Hallelujah. You can be declaring every healing scripture that there is and walking in hell and face a little physical challenge and your mind will want to revert on you. I thought thought you were healed. I I thought you were redeemed from the curse of the law. I thought you were redeemed from sickness. Well, what is that? People say, that's the devil. That's your mind. That's your mind trying to talk you out of your salvation. Amen. Because salvation covers my physical being. Hallelujah. And I don't want my mind to talk me out of it. So what do I have to do? I have to present my mind, present my faculties, present my body every day a living sacrifice. Oh, hallelujah. So he says that's something that can be done daily. And notice, it's a volitional act on our part. And and what makes this even more powerful to me is that it's something... ...that can be done because I'm asked to do it. God doesn't ask you to do something you can't do. He doesn't ask you to do something that's not possible to be done. He will ask you to do things that you may not think you can do... ...or that you may not want to do. Hallelujah. But in doing this... ...I won't be conformed to the world around me. Notice what it says and be not conformed to this world. One translation says, don't be squeezed into the world's way of thinking. I think it's the message bible that says, don't be so easily adapted to the world's system. Hallelujah. Because we're called to be transformed. Don't be conformed to this world, be transformed. It's it's the Greek word metamorpho. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. And it's used in the account of the transfiguration of Jesus. When Jesus was on the the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus in His glorified state. And notice that the Bible says, you, you you can read this, the Bible says that the glory shined through Jesus. Not on Him. Out of him, through him. And that what's that doing? That's showing us how we're supposed to live. With the glory of God shining out of us. That's why Jesus could say, you, you are the light of the world. I think it's interesting that he didn't say, now it is, but hear what I'm saying. Jesus didn't say the gospel is the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. The the way our lives are conducted should bring light into people's lives that we encounter on a regular basis. There's something about us that should be different because we're not just saved, we're working out our salvation. It's affecting every part of us. That's why you have joy when there is no joy. You have peace when there is no peace. You have victory when everybody else has defeat. Why? Because your salvation is affecting every part of you. Oh, hallelujah. Mm -mm -mm. And he says, this is your reasonable service. But notice something. Notice something. He says, a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God now we 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 got to deal with this because uh you know I was raised uh I was I was raised pentecostal and I I wasn't raised uh assembly of God I wasn't raised church of God I was raised old line united pentecostal all right the 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 pastor of our church that we went to uh she um, came out of the United Pentecostal church because uh, you know they didn't believe in women preachers and she had a call of God on her life and so uh, uh, she started this church and and it was a a rather large church but I mean it was it was United Pentecostal in their doctrine I mean and 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 uh, holiness was a big thing but let me explain this holiness in that you know for instance the women couldn't cut their hair uh couldn't wear makeup couldn't wear pants uh you know there was a lot of things you were not allowed to do i mean and 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 not all of it was bad some of it was was i believe you know warranted but uh for instance you couldn't have tv in your house no television couldn't watch television uh couldn't do things that anybody considered worldly I mean you couldn't go to a football game not a high school football game college football game any kind of any kind of sporting event that's worldly Uh, if your kids were in high school they couldn't go to the prom couldn't go to any dances because that's that's worldly all right I mean you couldn't go to a football game because somebody might be smoking and that's worldly right and here's the thing if somebody was to ask us what we believed, we would tell them everything we couldn't do. Because that's what made up what we believed, what we were not allowed to do. You, you understand? I, I remember talking to a guy one time that was in, in that organization. This was not that church that we went to, but the, that that particular denomination and uh, Pastor Michelle and I were married and and of course we weren't involved in that Uh, that had been many years before that but uh, he was talking to a guy in the break room one time and uh, I was in there eating my lunch and there was a a, a, some some program on the TV and I was just sitting there watching it and this other young man was in there and I don't believe he was born again I I don't remember correctly but uh, in any event uh, the guy came in that was part of this denomination, he wouldn't look at the TV. <laughs> and uh, that, that young man asked him, well, well what's wrong? You know, why, why, won't, why won't you look at the TV? He goes, uh, because our church believes, you know, that that's worldly and we're not allowed to be involved in the world. Well, now here, here's the thing. I mean, I understand their convictions and I, I understand these things, but he thought that made him Holy. He thought that made him holy. But Paul says, what makes you holy is that you present your faculties, your mind, your will, and your emotion as a sacrifice. Notice what he said, holy, set apart. In other words, you get up every day and you say, okay, Lord, I'm setting my faculties apart for you today. Lord, I'm going I'm to think the way you want me to think. I'm going to act the way you want me to act. It's not even, it's not even saying I'm going to lay my life on the altar. It's saying, Lord, today I'm going to let my salvation infiltrate every part of my life. Because, you know, one thing about that, that denomination that I grew up in, they were big about external holiness. Their preachers were also big about committing adultery. All that external holiness didn't stop adultery from happening. Why? Because you can be externally holy and think wrong and live very unholy. Hallelujah. I mean, most of y'all live holier by accident than most people do on purpose. Because your salvation, right, is working through you the Bible says in the Old Testament that holiness is beautiful it says to worship God in the beauty of holiness so that means that holiness is not restrictive in the sense that a lot of people try to make it and you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do the other I've learned That when your salvation starts working through your soul and starts working through your mind, your will, and your emotions, there are things that you just don't want to do. Because your mind is being renewed. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Because I have a willingness to do it. Hallelujah. Now let, let me give you two more points and we'll be well, I'm I'm running ahead of time, so we're okay. Renewing Indicates present continuous action on the mind. Renewing. Renewing. Indicates present continuous action on the mind. So in other words, my mind is being renewed every day. Present. Right now tonight it's being renewed. Tomorrow morning it'll be being renewed. Tomorrow afternoon it'll be being renewed. Well, How does that renewal happen? And I'll hear people, they'll say, well, you know, it's it's by getting in the Word. It is. That's part of it. But the biggest part is outlined right here. Presenting yourself to God. I want to do what you want me to do. I have a willingness to do. And, And what did he say he would do? He would give you the power not only to will, but to do it. Amen. So as we renew our minds through the Word of God, it becomes easy to know something. It becomes easy to know and live in the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, remember, good, acceptable, and perfect are simply three adjectives that describe the will of God. The will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. I've had people say, well, you know, I don't want to just be in the will of God. I want to be in the perfect will of God. Well, there isn't but one will. And that one will is good, acceptable, and perfect. But how, 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 do, how does that occur? By renewing my mind. And so when, when, when you begin to see this, that I'm laying all my faculties, my mind, my will, my emotion on the altar, so to speak, I am offering it as a sacrifice to God, all right? then what begins to happen is that this salvation begins to operate and begins to infiltrate and flow through every part of me. Hallelujah. Because here's the thing, and I'll I'll say this and, and wrap this up. Because what changed your thinking was that what you became began to be worked out in your natural life. When 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 someone gets saved, when I was a boy growing up in the church, I would hear this a lot. Somebody would get saved and it would be just gloriously, just gloriously saved. And inevitably somebody'd say, Well, you know, I hope they're on guard, because give it six months. And the new will wear off. Well, That was their experience. Why was that their experience? Because it took about that long... (laughs) For the new to wear off, if that's what you want to say. If that's how you want to say it. But what should have began then? The renewing of the mind. But because it wasn't taught... But because we were taught to rely on external holiness been when those same habits came back for certain people, or those same uh, uh, mindsets came back, they weren't renewing their mind, their salvation wasn't working out through them, and they either backslid, or fell, or whatever the case may be, and that's why in those type of churches, people were always running to the altar to get re-saved. Well, you can't be saved but once. When you got saved, you got saved. You can return to God. Amen. If you, if you backslide and you walk away from God, you can return to God, but you don't get resaved. You, you understand that, right? You don't get resaved. I came to work today and went back home. Pastor Michelle was home, and I was here. Well, when I got back home, I didn't get remarried. I was still married. I'm married wherever I'm at. So if somebody walks away from backslides, if that's what we want to call it, loses their fire for God, they come back and repent. They don't get resaved, but they got to start renewing their mind. What causes someone to backslide is the fact that their mind keeps going over into carnal things. They have a desire for the things of the world more than they have a desire for the things of God. Amen. And it's just like what you eat or what you drink. If if you don't eat healthy, you'll never desire healthy. If you don't ever drink water, you'll never want water. Right? Because my body... Everybody say, my body... See, my body conditions itself to keep getting what it's been getting. And so when you got born again, instantly your spirit was changed. Instantly you became a new creature. But there's something that did not instantly change and did not instantly become new. And it was called your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so what happens, and I, and I better close my Bible or I'll keep preaching. It keeps speaking to me, see. And, but, but what happens is, is then instead of that person getting a hold of the word and beginning to renew their mind, they're just so enamored with that gift of salvation, but then they're going to face a challenge or they're going to face an issue. And if my mind's not renewed, I'll fall back into the pattern of how I did things. And that's why you have people that, some people, that, 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 that live an up and down Christian life. Seem like when everything's going good, they feel very powerful, but then they face a challenge and they, they fall apart. Because their mind's not renewed. Their faculties are not brought under the power of their salvation. Amen. Amen. But not so with us. Amen. We're, we're, we're going to live a victorious life. All the way through. Amen. And you know this is so important because uh, uh, if, if you don't know doctrine then it's impossible to live a, a victorious life. Because uh, I was raised up under a lot of good preachers. I mean good preachers. Uh, Such good preachers, man, they'd fire you up. You'd want to go burn a barn for Jesus. I mean, something. You know, just, just, you know, preaching moves you to act. Teaching brings you stability. And see, what happens is then when you hear something like this and a person hears something like this and they go through their day tomorrow and they feel themselves falling into this way of thinking, Now, immediately they know, wait a minute, hang on, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do do I have to do? Lord, no, I'm not going to think that way. My mind is being renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God. And I choose to think the way God's going to think about that. And then what happens? You become aware of those redemptive processes and they begin to work out in your life. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? Did you get anything out of the Word?